This is the Main Attraction Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Justin Strawn and Ryan Nelson. Welcome to the Main Attraction Podcast, where we discuss the biggest television shows and movies in the entertainment industry. I am your host, Justin Strawn. Joining me each week is the other host of the show, the man with the answer to all of life's riddles, Ryan Nelson. Justin, I had no idea I liked my Batman angsty and wearing black eyeshadow, but here we are. Here we are. because My it, Chemical <laughs> Batman. <laughs> and that is a great reference. I like that. My Chemical Batman. Uh, you, we're going to be talking about a lot of that, so I won't get into it too much right now. But yeah, definitely a different approach on Batman, one that I think we all will have enjoyed by the time we get done uh, by the end of this show. So, uh, But if you have been listening to the podcast since we started it about six or seven weeks ago, thank you for continuing to listen and making us a part of your day. If you're new to the show, we hope you enjoy it as we talk about Matt Reeves' take on the Kate Crusader, The Batman. And if you are new or a regular and would like more access to the show, visit our Patreon page and become a patron of the Main Attraction Podcast. Go to patreon.com, the slash, the Main Attraction Podcast, and you can get Patreon-only content. You can support us at a $3, 5 10 or $20 level. When you join up, we'll shout you out here on the show, just like we are going to do right now with our newest patron, Ryan's brother, Russ. Welcome, Russ. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank you. Uh, you know, hey, look, my fa- family and friends, y'all got to step up. All of, all of our patrons are all coming from, from Ryan's side. So if, if you're listening and you're one of my, my family and friends, you know, help me out here. Uh, anyway, if you can't be a patron, you can help the show out by rating us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating, and if you have time, write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do write us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it on air next time we record, and both of those go to a long way in getting the show in the ears of new listeners. All right, so we are discussing, like I said earlier, The Batman. I don't know why I have to say it like that, but I always feel like I have to say it like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, really good, really good movie. I think we're both going to, uh, y'all are going to come to a conclusion real quick that we both like this, correct? Yes, I, I loved it. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, the people in the general population are enjoying it as well. I had the numbers up, so let me pull those up real quick. Uh, it's doing really well on Tomatoes, Google, all those fun places. Uh, it is not quite as high with critics, but that's, like I said, it's not, it's not much lower. Um, let's see, the critics are at 85%, so that's that's still a really good score. Uh, for yeah. them to be that high with the critics is pretty good. Uh, the audience score is at 90%. Uh, Google users, I think, had it at 90% as well, so it's doing really well. Uh, I didn't see IMDb. Let me see if I can find IMDb real quick. IMDb. I had all this up earlier, and then I closed it. Not very smart on my part, but hey, we all make mistakes. Uh, it's 8.6 on IMDb, so it's a really good That's score. really high. Yeah, it really is. So uh, lots of really high scores for it, which isn't surprising, which is what I want to talk about next. What were, what was your mindset? What was your expectations going into this film before you went into it? Um, I had a feeling I was going to like it. Uh, I, I've seen some of Matt Reed's work and, and thought he was good. Uh, you know, I, I actually like Robert Pattinson more of I've seen his stuff in the last couple of years. And I thought, you know, I think he could pull this off, but I, I felt good about it. But I, I had no idea it was going to be this good. Yeah, uh, my expectations were I wasn't real familiar with Matt Reeves. The only thing I had seen of his was, were the 
Planet of the Apes movies. Those are the only things I had seen coming into this. I did not see the Cloverfield movies. I haven't seen those. Uh, so I wasn't just real familiar with Matt Reeves or what he was like. But uh, I'd heard good things about him. Like I said, I enjoyed the Planet of the Apes movies. Those, those were good. But I, I wasn't just real familiar with them, so I wasn't real sure what to expect. I thought it would be good because... DC, the one thing they're going to make sure they do pretty well on a consistent basis is Batman. They don't want to, they don't want to screw that up because that's, that's their consistent moneymaker. So I thought it would be good. The thing I wasn't expecting and the thing I was going into this was, I was like, I think it's going to be good. I think it'll be a really fun movie. I think it'll be entertaining. I just didn't think there was going to be anything new that they could add to this story because it's been told so many times. I mean, this is, um, let's see, the one, two, three, four, the first time then there was three more so that's seven and if you count the batfleck stuff uh that's you know we're up to nine this would be like film number 10 yeah uh so you know i was like how how much more can they do to this character and they really did a lot <laughs> to this character uh so that's why i was just that's what really took me by surprise is just how how of a different take matt reese was able to give this character who we've become so familiar with over the years what were your thoughts about that i thought the same thing this, this felt like a new shade of Batman that we had not seen before. Uh, especially he was vulnerable. Yeah, he really was. And, and he was, he was, I loved how it was so early in the process. I guess Batman begins was as well, mm -hmm. but this was like, he still hasn't figured everything out. Well, that's one of the things I'm, I actually have down. Cause I want to talk about, you know, our biggest impressions of, uh, this show and the things that we really thought about it. Uh, the biggest impressions, well, that was one of the biggest impressions that I had of this movie was, y yes, there have been other times when he's been new to the Batman game, but they really made an emphasis to make sure that you understood that he's truly a really new to the Batman game. Um, he's not really good at it at this point. Uh, right. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a good fighter, but he's relying on his fists a lot more than we are accustomed to uh, with our previous iterations of Batman. He is just going in, punching first, thinking later. You know, he's not, he does the little bit of the stealth stuff, but he doesn't really get into it nearly as much as we are accustomed to seeing. But it's definitely a much, a much more, I don't know, I'm not sure what the word is, uh, less experienced, I guess, is the best way to describe it, uh, Batman than what we've seen in the past. What are some of your other big impressions? Because I have quite a few I want to go over. Yeah, I was going to say that um, it, every fight scene, it looked like he was going to lose. Like there was the, the chance that he was going to get beat up. Because like you said, he took some poundings. Yeah, he did. And then also, I just loved the scene where, where he's running away from the cops and he's in the high building. And you actually see him look down. Yes, yes, that was... He's, yeah. Go ahead, keep we, going. We, we've never seen that before, so he was actually afraid. That blew my mind. I mean, it, it was a small thing, but when he's, like you said, when he's running from the cops and he's on the top of that tall building, I'm not sure what police what police station would have that many floors, but nevertheless, yeah. uh, he's running from the cops and he gets to the edge of the building and he looks down and you see fear in his eyes. And I'm like, whoa, Batman is afraid to jump off a building? That has never, ever been the case. So it was really cool to actually see him you know get a little scared when 
That happens. And in that same scene, he doesn't know how to use the parachute because he has one of the worst, most painful landings I've seen. <laughs> yes, he does. That was, I mean, I grimaced when he hit that bridge. Uh, and that's actually something we're going to talk about a little bit later on when we start getting into maybe some possible nitpicks with this film. Um, but yeah, that was one thing that I really, that stuck out to me as well. It's like, he, he's not real good at this. He doesn't really know how to work that, that jumpsuit or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, so that was really interesting. Did this film remind you of any other films? What was, what did you think of the mood that they were setting with it? Well, I've I've seen this mentioned several times, and I think this is the one. It's like seven. Yes, that's exa- that was the first thing I thought when when I, we first see Riddler on the screen at the very beginning. I was like, dang, this has got seven vibes. Yeah. It really does. Yeah, this is the first time we've really seen him be the the ace detective and, and working on that type of stuff that he hasn't done in the other movies. Yeah, and it's a for those who like who are fans of the comic, that was a welcome change because that's how Batman got his start in the comics. He I mean the actual it wasn't the first time he appears in the comics is not in a uh it's not in it's not in a Batman comic. It's called uh The Great Detectives or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it is. I mean that's what he was when he first got his start was he was a detective. He just happened to dress up like a bat and he, you know, he threw punches and stuff. But what made him the character that he was is that he was so great at solving crimes and following the evidence. And that's was just so interesting to see in this film that we, we had not seen that. Yeah. We saw a little bit in previous versions, but nothing to this level where he was doing detective level work with the police right alongside them for the most part. Yeah, and that I really like the scene where uh, one of the first scenes where he walks in with the police and he looks kind of nervous. Yeah, and they look nervous, and they're all like, you know, trying to measure each other out. And it was, I just we we just hadn't seen like where where he walks in like that. And I know he's dealt with the police before in more of a like telling them they're corrupt kind of thing. Right. But like just just the way he walked in, and like I said, he he looked nervous. Yeah, he looked nervous, and you know the one of the one of the things that I've seen a lot of people describe this movie, they keep everybody saying this is it's a dark movie, it's a dark movie, and that is an accurate description of this movie. But I think a better description of this movie is this movie is raw. Yeah, I mean it is. It's raw in the presentation, in the individuals, all the way down to just Batman being Batman. I mean he is extremely raw in that. How did you like this low tech version of Batman? I loved it. I thought it was, you know, it was something we really hadn't seen. I, I like how it felt like he's figuring it out and we're going on the ride with him. And I got to tell you, I love the Batmobile. Oh, yes. Okay. That, okay. So that's one of the great things about this film. All right. One of the, and this is one of the things I wanted to make, just make sure I pointed out. A lot of previous Batman films, the Tim Burton Batman films, the uh, Christopher Nolan Batman films, they tell you and they they explain to you, you know that he uses fear to uh to really ex, you know do what he does he, he uses fear he instills that fear into the criminals that he's hunting down but we never really get a sense of that in that opening scene where where Robert Pattinson is doing that monologue you get a feel you get much more a feel for what criminals are actually experiencing when they're out committing crimes and w- what I love about this opening montage, because, you know, I was 
you know, I was talking a second ago how I didn't expect them to really be able to do anything new with this character because they've done so much with him. But this opening monologue that we're getting with Robert Pattinson, it told me off right off the bat, this is going to be different. This is going to be a lot. This isn't going to be what you're used to because they're basically coming out and, and admitting, you know, he can't be everywhere. You, you get the sense in previous Batman films that he is everywhere. Wherever he needs to be, he's going to be there. But he's coming out and saying, look, I can't be everywhere, so I have to make them fear me, and I have to make them think that whenever they see that bat signal, that I could be just right around the corner. And, you know, that's why the first criminal with that weird mask on ends up getting hit by a car is because yeah. he, he's, he thinks that he's about to get attacked. So that was such a beautiful part of that. And arguably the scariest part of this is when he's in the Batmobile. That Batmobile was, it's, I mean, it's not scary like we were scared when we were sitting there. But if I were on the other side of that and I saw that coming after me, I would be terrified. Yeah, when he cranks it up and really starts revving it up, the, the when he chased the penguin, I mean, that was... That was just awesome. It was just a souped-up old, uh, I don't know what kind of car it was. Right, I don't it, 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 it was awesome. Yeah, and that was one of the, I read an article about how they really wanted to make sure they got the sound of that vehicle uh, because they wanted to sound like it was something coming straight out of hell. Uh, that's, and it, 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 that's exactly what it sounded like. And, you know, when I first saw that Batmobile in the trailer, uh, you see that scene where it's, it yeah. jumps through the fire after uh, going after mm-hmm. Penguin. I wasn't real sure I was going to like that Batmobile because I was like, that's, it looks like just a car, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and that's really all it really was. It was souped yeah. up, but it was just a car, but it worked so well with the way they did it. And I, I you're, you're a hundred percent correct. I absolutely loved that Batmobile because it, it fed into the, just the overall tone that they were trying to set, it fed into what they were trying to accomplish with this movie uh, and with what they were trying to do with Batman in general. So that's one of the things that I really enjoyed about it. What's some other things that really stood out to you? Uh, you know, we didn't see a lot of Bruce Wayne this movie. No, we didn't. There has never been a movie that, a Batman movie that Bruce Wayne was less important than in this one. But I do want to talk about him in just a second. But what did you think about that decision to make him just such a small part of the film? Uh, I liked it, and I liked how they portrayed Bruce Wayne because a lot of this, and I never thought you would say this about a a Batman movie. It's a, it's a movie about grief. Yeah, he it is, is. He is not recovered from his parents dying. I was trying to figure out how old do you think now? Robert Pattinson is in his mid thirties. Yeah, he's thirty five. How do you, how do you think uh, Bruce Wayne is supposed to be here? I'd say he's probably close to that, maybe early, maybe okay. around thirty at most. Okay, that's what I, I I couldn't figure out. That's what I was wondering if he was. Supposed to be a little younger, maybe mid twenties. I know they said at one point when they were doing like the the monta, they were doing like the news report uh, back to his death, and they said it had been 20, exactly twenty years. Oh, okay. Uh, so I, but I don't remember how old they said he was when his parents died. So okay. I, I don't remember. So this is taking place twenty years after the death of, of both of his parents, which we didn't see. Woo-hoo. Yes, we did not see it. Uh, you know, I listened to a a podcast that on the ringer, uh, the big picture show. And they discussed, uh, they had an actual interview with Matt Reeves. You know, he said he wanted, he wanted to make sure he did not include that. And he said, you know, we'd seen that enough, the pearls falling on the ground. Uh, so he wanted to make sure that they didn't include that in this because it's, it just wasn't needed at this point. So I was glad to see that as well. I did want to ask you this though, about Bruce Wayne and see what your thoughts was. 
when they finally show him as Bruce Wayne, and every time that they show him after, did you think that he looked like a child in an adult's body? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he did. He, he, yeah, he really did. And that was one thing that just kind of kept striking me. I mean, part of it was just his hair. I mm-hmm. mean, he, that stringy, you know, as you said, Kim, my chemical Batman, it, 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 yeah. a lot of people have called it emo, but it's kind of a grunge, you know, it's just that hair just look, makes him look young. Plus when he's got that makeup on where he was, had the eye black on it, it, it smeared, it made him look young, but I thought what really stood out to me that made him look so like a child when we first see him in a suit going to that funeral, he looks like a kid that doesn't know how to wear a suit. You know how kids, when you first yeah. put them in a suit, they just don't seem to know how to walk in it. Right. I kind of got that feeling. Well, I, I, I think that's, I think that's what they're showing us that he never, he, he never, never got to grow up. Right. Exactly. Because his, his parents. And obviously this Alfred relationship was a little different than the other movies because right. he really didn't respect Alfred. No, he didn't. He didn't have, I don't know that he didn't respect him. I don't think he had the same level of respect that we're accustomed to having. Yeah. I mean, so, he didn't have the same reverence for Alfred and the same, you know, in previous Batman films, you know, Alfred's word was, you know, one of the most important things to him. Not so the case in this one. Yeah. And I, I think he's, I think you're right though. He is a kid. He's stuck in the body of when, however old he was when his parents died. Yeah. That's where he is. Mm-hmm. That's where he still is mentally. Right. And that's what, because that, every time I kept seeing him, I was like, man, he looks like a child. He, he just, yeah. I, part of it is Robert Pattinson looks young, but that's, that's not what this is. Yeah. And uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I went to uh, the movies with my wife and our friends, Andrew and Caitlin Deck, who listened to the podcast. And Katie Lynn actually made a good point. Uh, Robert Pattinson looks like what a rich boy mm-hmm. who's 30 or younger would look like. Yeah, today. he does. He re- he, he does. He, he portrays what they, they wouldn't look like Christian Bale. No, they wouldn't. They would not look like Christian Bale at all. They would look, they would look very much they like, look like Robert Pattinson. So I was like, she, I was like, you made a very good point. That is exactly, you know, I, I was glad they did that. I know some people uh, were annoyed by his look a little bit, but that was before the movie. I think when you get in the movie, you're going to be fine with it, with his portrayal. But, but I, but I thought, you know, she's right. This is what a 30 year old rich guy that has all the toys would look like. Yeah, it, it is exactly what he would look like. Uh, it, you know, we talk about, you know, Bruce Wayne. He doesn't have much of a role in this. This is very much a Batman-centered movie. We talked about the low-tech. What did you think about his suit? Because I thought his suit was interesting in this one. Yeah, it wasn't uh, his his head uh, piece. Right. was like plastic. Yeah, it was or, uh, rubber. rubber. I think it was rubber, yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't... It wasn't uh, as high tech as the others have been, it actually looks like. And while we see him with a bunch of bruises, they haven't figured out the suit yet, how to make it where he won't get fully hurt. Yeah, and like it was the one of the first things I noticed about the suit when he makes his first entrance when he's fighting those uh, those bullies who had the Joker makeup on. Uh, when he's fighting those guys who are uh, about to beat up that passenger on that train, he walks in and it looks like he has Doc, Doc Martens on. Uh, for for his shoes, I was like, I was like, oh, we are getting. I knew it was going to be a lower tech version of him. I was like, oh, we're getting real low tech. If if this is what he's using for footwear, we're getting seriously low tech on this. But yeah, the suit was it was just really interesting. The way the, the cape, like it, I don't know. It was 
it's hard to explain, so I don't really want to spend a whole lot of time trying to explain it, but it, it was definitely a different take. I mean, he could move his head freely. Uh, the cape seemed to be detachable uh, because, it, like, it did come, like, when he jumped off that building, it, he did lose his cape uh, on that one. So, like I said, it was just a very different take. It seemed to, the one thing it did seem to do, is they did seem to have the bullet-resistant part of it because he got shot a lot yeah. in this one. I also like he kind of carried his bag with him. Yes, he did. That was the first time we've seen that, where like all of a sudden he like because you've wondered before, like all of a sudden Batman shows up, right? <laughs> when Bruce Wayne is right there, but like he's at least showing you, hey, I've got this bag with me. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, that was he. He just there were all there were a lot of off camera costume changes. I mean, all of a sudden he is. He is there as Batman, and next thing we know, he's getting on a motorcycle, and he's Bruce Wayne, uh, and vice versa. So that was that was really interesting to see because he did have that bag with him a lot of times. Uh, one thing I did want to point out that I listened to uh, right after I got out of the movie, uh, the Ringerverse had put up their their instant reaction podcast, and one of the hosts mentioned something I did I didn't pick up on it. I wonder if you picked up on it. Every time he shows up at the iceberg, the twins greet him. So, but he, you'll, if you notice, it is, he shows up in three different perspectives each time. So the first time he shows up as Batman, second time he shows up as Bruce Wayne, and the third time he shows up, he sneaks in as Bruce Wayne and then changes into Batman. Do you think that said anything about him and his growth as a character? Had to be. That had to be intentional. Yeah, because I think what, because we, this is what was really interesting about this is, he makes it pretty well known at the, uh, in this film. He does not enjoy being Bruce Wayne. He doesn't really right. care to be Bruce Wayne. He just wants to be the Batman. He'll do the Bruce Wayne stuff only if he absolutely positively has to. And only typically if it will actually help him as Batman. Uh, that's the reason he goes to that funeral. It's not because he really wants to pay his respects. It's because he thinks the killer might show up. That's the reason he wants to be there. Uh, but the, what they were saying on that one is... They were saying, you know, it shows his growth. He he under, he wants to be Batman, so he shows up as Batman, and he just starts throwing punches to get his way into the iceberg. The second time, he needs to have an actual audience with with Carmine Falcone, so he shows up as Bruce Wayne because he's learned this interesting stuff about his his family. And the last time, he, he realizes he can't just be Batman. He can't be just Bruce Wayne. He has to marry those two personalities together. And that's why he is using both of his personalities. Because honestly, that last time he could have just snuck in as Batman. He could have used a little bit of stealth. But to purposely go in as Bruce Wayne and then change into the Batman outfit, I think that was something specifically done by Matt Reeves' show that he is learning that he can't just be one or the other. He has to put both of these together. Uh, so I thought that was a really interesting point that they brought up on that show that I, want to make, that I really want to bring up here. Yeah, I, I, that, I never realized that, but you're right. That that definitely shows him growing and learning how to do, again, learning how to do the job. Right. And, you know, as much as, I, you know, I like seeing the Bruce Wayne stuff, I, were you kind of happy we didn't see, you know, Playboy, Bruce Wayne, you know, yeah, whining I, and dining? I, I, I am glad. Because also we got to reexamine the Wayne family because we learned about what their real history was. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, and that's it's such a different approach than what we got in the Nolan films. Look, I love the Nolan films, but I mean, the 
the Nolan films were, you know, the white knightest of all white knights. I mean, they were portrayed as, you know, I think there was at one point in, I think in Batman Begins, where they're going down that big elevator and somebody tells Bruce, you know, the reason this elevator is here because the the Waynes helped escort people on the Underground Railroad. I mean, so, I yeah. mean, they were, you know, just, they were, you know, these perfect saints in every previous iteration of Batman. Now we find out, you know, it's not that they're bad people, but they, they're like everybody else. They're, they're human. They're human. Oop, did I lose you? You there? Thanks. Oh, we had a little bit of technical difficulties. Uh, I'm not sure if that recorded or not, but we'll find out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I said, they're human. And that was so nice to actually, see for a change and, and it was good for bruce to actually know that his parents aren't perfect because that you know we all we all growing up have to we all come to that realization about our own parents we, we love our parents but you know they're they're they're, they're people just like us and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to do things and they're going to disappoint us at times yeah and then this this was the first time we've really seen these stories come out so i i, I thought this this was a good bonus from Matt Reeves. Uh, again, just changing the, the narrative that we haven't seen before with the Batman movie. All right, let's talk about some of the supporting cast. Uh, we got quite a few people that we can talk about there. Who do you think we should talk about first? We got to talk about Zoe Kravitz. Yes, we do. I'm so glad you went there first. Yes. Uh, how familiar with her? I'll, I'll be honest. I've seen some of her smaller stuff. Uh, she's kind of just now kind of making a name for herself as in a big-time role. Uh, but yeah. I, I, I wasn't just real familiar with her going in. How familiar with her were you before? I this mean, I, I'd seen uh, Big Little Lies, and I'm trying to think what else. I, I've seen her in a couple of things, and of course, you know, I knew who her mom and dad were. Right. And speaking of which, that uh, her mom and dad are Lisa Bonet and Lenny, uh, Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz. So she's she's pulling from a pretty strong gene pool there. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, she's doing okay. She is. Uh, but yeah, she was. I mean. You feel like, I don't know about you, but I know I felt very much like Batman when she first walks on the screen in the iceberg to talk to to uh, Penguin. You know, Batman's sitting there trying to listen to Penguin and keep his focus on what he was saying, but he just couldn't stop looking at, at, at Catwoman. <laughs> He's like, uh, you know, that's she had a presence as soon as she walked in. Yeah, she definitely definitely had the presence and kind of owned every scene she was in. Yeah, she really did. I mean, I was very, very impressed by her. Uh, like I said, I wasn't just real familiar with her. Uh, I saw her in the reboot of the X-Men films, the uh, oh, uh, First Class. Yeah, it's called First Class. Uh, she had a smaller part in there, uh, and I, I liked her in there, but like I said, it was, it was a smaller part, so she didn't have a whole lot of opportunity to really impress but I was very impressed by her because I really didn't know what to think when I found out she was going to be the new Catwoman. I was like, okay, I don't really know her, but that's fine. But she was good. Where would you rank her in the, among the three Catwomen? I mean, Pfeiffer's got to be one. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, maybe that was the 13, 14-year-old boy in me talking. Well, that's, but, that's quite possible. <laughs> uh, I go too. Yeah, I, it, I will say this. Pfeiffer's is a very different... Catwoman than what we got yeah. with Anne Hathaway yeah. in this. She was a she was a very much a Tim Burton uh, Catwoman. Right. Uh, so it's a very different type of character. But you know, the, I'll, I will say this: uh, every iteration of Catwoman we've had has been solid. Uh, I loved Anne Hathaway. I loved 
uh, I love Zoe Kravitz in this one. But every single one of them have been really good. But, uh, you know, for me, it's almost a 1A, B, and C. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they, all, they have all been really good. I agree with you. I know. And a lot of people did not like, you know, Dark Knight Rises has a lot of mixed feelings. People have a lot of mixed feelings. But most, for the most part, a lot of people thought Anne Hathaway was really good in that role. So, but yeah, the, like I said, she's, she's right up there. She's right up there with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, if, if, if you ask me. Yeah. All right, so what are who do you want to go to next? Let's go. Let's go to the Riddler. All right, so how familiar were you with Paul Dano? I, I'd seen uh, one thing by of his before this, but not that was it. Oh, uh, I was really familiar with him because I've seen like There Will Be Blood. That's what the one I'd seen. Prisoners. Okay, I hadn't seen that. Uh, he was a villain in that. So okay. I, when when he was cast, I'll, I'll just tell you a quick story. Uh, Brian Haydad asked me. It's like, what, what can you tell me about Paul Dano? And I was like, one, you need to watch Prisoners. Because mm-hmm. he is psychopath in that movie. And right. this is, well, I'm sure Matt raised in that. But also, there's this story in There Will Be Blood that another person had his role. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't handle Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis was intimidating. Right. Now, this story, it keeps changing. But the, the gist is... Daniel Day-Lewis was like, go get Paul Dano. I've worked with him before. And Paul Dano was young at the time. Right. So that's all you need to know about how good he is. Yeah, he, he was he was really solid. I didn't, like I said, the only thing I had seen was in Let There Be Blood. So I, I, knew, he, I knew he had the chops to pull off an interesting role. But this, I was really interested to see how this was going to play out. Because this was such a different take on the Riddler. I mean, we talked yeah. about bringing something new to the table of the Batman story. Doing this with Riddler was way different. I mean, normally the Riddler is this, you know, kind of, I guess technically this one was maniacal as well. But, you know, just just over the top is the way every iteration of the Riddler we've ever seen has been. We don't, and, and he's not wearing the riddle, Riddler suit, right? He does have a question mark that he, that he wears, but that's that's the extent of it. I mean, every other version I've ever seen of the Riddler has always been this leotard that has a, a yeah. has at least one question mark or a bunch of question marks, and he's got a cane that has a question mark on it. Uh, so you know, it's very comic booky. It's very over the top. Uh, it was very much Jim Carrey that we saw in Batman Forever back in in the mid nineties. Uh, I mean, that was that was the typical thing you thought of when you thought of Riddler. So to take it this route and to basically make it a serial killer saw type character, it was an interesting take. I thought, like I said, I wasn't real sure how it was going to work, but I, I thought it worked. I thought it worked really well. Uh, I, I'm a fan of his anyway, but I, I thought he nailed it. Yeah, I, I did too. I thought he did a really good job. And like I said, I wasn't real sure what to think going into it, but he, he convinced me very quickly. I mean, that first scene where he just appears yeah, I was like, okay, we are getting something serious here. I mean, it, like I said, that entire opening first five ten minutes of this movie, it really tells you they they do a really good job of saying this is not going to be the Batman that you are familiar with. And, right, that you're right about that. That set the tone early. And like I said, it was it was it was creepy. I mean, when when he when you see those glasses, that's really all you can see is those glasses he's wearing. Like, okay, yeah, this is this kind of freaky. I mean, it made my skin crawl. All right, uh, so we want to talk about, uh, do you want to talk about Colin Farrell as the Penguin yeah. or Jeffrey Wright? Yeah, let's, let's go to Colin Farrell first. All right, so what did you think of the Penguin? I, I loved it. I, 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 I had to 
tell everybody that I was with that it was Colin Farrell. They did not believe it. I guess they did not realize it. Yeah, most people, a lot of people didn't. A lot of people who aren't familiar with the casting of this, they they did not know that's who that was in all that makeup because he they ugly him up pretty good. Uh, but yeah, he was really good in this. He did a really, you know, there's not a ton of funny parts in this, but most of the time when there were funny parts, I thought they came from him. Yeah. Uh, he had some of the better lines, some of the better zingers in this one. Like I said, there's not a ton of them, but he did have some. Uh, you see why they're going to make a HBO Max show based off of him, I think. I think you get a really good idea of yeah. where what direction they're going and how they're going to, uh, how they're going to approach that. So that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I don't know when that's coming out, but I'm I'm excited for it. <laughs> yeah, I think they're filming it now for some reason. I, I, yeah, I think you're right. So that that'll be fun to watch. I, I I liked him. I liked the the take on the role. It was a very different take than what Tim Burton had. Tim Burton had probably the most disgusting character I've ever seen yeah. in film when he did the Penguin back in I guess it was ninety two. Was it? That sounds right. Yeah. But yeah, because. That version of the penguin was just absolutely disgusting. I mean, like Danny DeVito in those just slimy blood, and <laughs> ugh, I, I still just get grossed out thinking about his character from all those years ago. But yeah, that was a different. Day. And, and, I li- and I like we got the penguin walk when he was when he was uh, tied up. Yes, we did. We got the penguin walk when he's tied up, and there they left him there in. Uh, that alleyway or another bridge, wherever it was that, that they left him in. So we get to get a little bit of that penguin walk in it. So that was a nice little throwback to it. Uh, so I guess that leaves us with Jeffrey Wright as uh, Jim Gordon. Not Commissioner Gordon yet, but uh, as Jim Gordon. Jeffrey Wright, always good. Yes, Whatever he is, he is in. And he, he brought it again. And, uh, you know, this was, a, this was a good role because Gary Oldman did such a great job. And Gary, Gary Oldman mm-hmm. and Jeffrey Wright are on pretty much the same playing field. So when I saw Jeffrey Wright was cast, I was like, they know what they're doing here. Yeah, I thought he they did a really good job of getting him. Uh, it was a really nice, it was really good to get him onto this cast. And, you know, people have talked a lot about this being, this reminding them of Seven. You kind of get that feel with, you know, Jeffrey Wright kind of playing the Morgan Freeman role and yeah. Robert Pattinson playing the Brad Pitt role in this film. Uh, so you, you that kind of adds to that whole Seven vibe, how they're, constantly going out together to try to solve the crimes. So that that added to that as well. And Jeffrey Wright does a very good job. This is why he plays a cop a lot, because he does a good job of, like, he's thinking things out. Yes, he is. He just he just always looks like he's trying to get ahead or trying to analyze what's going on. Right. He has that intuitive look about him yeah. at all times whenever, he, whenever he's doing something. So you're 100% correct about that. That's one of the... That's he just has that air about him. So he was he was really good in this uh, playing Jim Gordon. I'll be interested to see if they go ahead and make him commissioner in whatever sequel they do for this. So uh, let's see, what else do we want to talk about? So where are you going to put this? Uh, let's let's go ahead and kind of put this in terms of previous Batman films. Where are you putting this for you in terms of how you would rank it? I mean. I really hadn't thought about it. It's got to be towards the the top. I mean, for me, Michael Keaton, number one. Mm-hmm. Then I'll probably put this or The Dark Knight, second, third. Okay. Uh, most I people, hadn't seen The Dark Knight in a while. Yeah, so, I went back and watched it before, before this, and I remember just how good it was. Uh, my personal opinion, Dark Knight to me is the top. Uh, and the reason it will be the top and it's going to have a hard time ever getting dethroned as the top is just because of Heath Ledger. I mean... 
yeah. that that performance as the Joker. Look, Dano is great in this, but it's it's not that. <laughs> uh, like like I said, it, it it's great, but it is not what Heath Ledger was pulling off in The Dark Knight. That was an iconic performance. That was, and it, the fact that we don't have anything like that again from him, is sad. But yeah, uh, but yeah, that was. If if you haven't seen it in a while, go back and watch it again because you'll just be just as in awe of it as you were the first time. Possibly even more so having watched this version to be able to compare it to something. Because the villain roles outside of Jack Nicholas's, outside of his version of Joker, I don't think anything has really done a good job of coming close to having a really strong villain in the Batman films. But we finally get that again in this one with Paul Dano, I thought. Yeah, that's a very good point. The others, the others were so cartoonish. Yeah, they really were, and they they were very very cartoonish. Uh, I mean, like I said, you go back and look at the Schumacher films; they were awful. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, they were. And I mean, the, uh, Batman Forever it has its redeeming qualities, but it, the fourth one was just absolutely terrible. And then the rest of them, the Nolan films, the villains in that one outside of Keith Ledger's, obviously, it's they're just not very memorable, I guess. Yeah, Bane is. Yeah, but, he, but I still think I thought I thought Dano was better. Yeah, I thought Dano was a lot better. Uh, look, I love Tom Hardy. He, he's one of my favorite yeah. actors. But but I don't know. There's there was something weird about Bane that it just like I said I liked what he did. And I liked what he was doing. But it, it's not this. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have any nitpicks? Because I got a few. Um. Let's just bring it up. I don't. I don't think we needed the Joker. No, okay, I'm glad you mentioned that. All right, because that felt, it felt like they did a mid-credit scene and then they decided, well, this is a little bit too on the nose with Marvel, so let's just throw it in to the film. Did you get that same feeling? Yeah, it, yeah, it definitely felt like an after-credit scene. Yeah, it, it I, I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy that part of it. I just, it felt forced as long as well as the guys at the very beginning of the movie having that Joker makeup. That felt forced too, because obviously they were setting this tone that yes, the Joker exists in this world. And look, I know the Joker is the quintessential Batman villain. I, I get that, but you don't have to include that in this film. I, I think it takes away from it. Yeah, I think it does too. And especially since I read that Matt Reeves said he may not be in the next movie. Well, I heard, I think in the interview I heard today, I think he said it's definitely going to happen though. I think that was one thing yeah. he, he was thinking that they might not put him in there. They may just hold him off. But I think, I think he's going to go ahead and put him in now that the cat's out of the bag. So, yeah. so to speak. But, but like you said, especially after Heath Ledger, it, it, everyone's going to just tear this part up, tear this role apart of whoever's doing it. So yeah, you, you know to, who it is? Yeah, Barry Kehoe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he was in The Eternals. Right. Uh, Dunkirk. I've seen him a couple things. He, he's really good. And he has, he, he probably could pull it off. I mean, yeah. he's no ledger, but he, he could pull it off. But, um, you know, I, I think we could have waited on him. Yeah, I think we could have too. And I will say this. I will give them some credit for this. Did you... No, did you notice this? That he's actually Barry Keogh is actually in the trailers for this film, but he's playing yeah. a different he's playing a different part. And they they did some misdirection. They they purposely filmed some stuff with him playing uh, one of the officers in the Gotham Police. Oh, and that, I did not notice that. Yeah, so that's the reason they put him in there. And they want people to know that he's in it, but but they misdirect by making people think that he's going to be playing this officer in the Gotham City Police instead. He's actually the Joker. So that was one of the. Uh, I thought that was interesting the way that they pulled it off. But yeah, that is interesting. 
And, but the other issue I had with it, I didn't couldn't tell it was the Joker at first. The yeah, only, yeah. The only time you really, the only thing that gives away when you mention something about being a clown or something like that. Yeah, I, yeah. I he says that pretty quickly. So, like I said, it was hard to really tell. A lot of people thought it might have been Two Face because there were some scars and stuff on his face. But yeah, that, that part of it didn't work. I will say the one thing that's not a nitpick that I just did not like. I did not like the role Alfred played. Oh, look, when I found out Andy Serkis was playing Alfred, I was I was pumped. I was like, oh, this is going to be a great Alfred. He's hardly in this movie. Yeah, he is. He's barely in this movie. So that was extremely disappointing. I was really, I, I kind of hoped that we were going to, because if there's an Alfred who, that they ever could have cast that could throw some punches, it's Andy Serkis. Yeah, you're right about that. So yeah. I was kind of hoping, because, I mean, that is his backstory, is that he was in the Royal Military or whatever it was, and he was in the Army or Navy, or I, I don't remember exactly what branch or anything, but... You know, that's his whole persona. And, you know, he even mentions, you know, I, I couldn't teach you anything because I wasn't a dad, but I could teach you how to fight. Let me see you fight, Andy. Come on. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you're right. We we wasted him in this movie. Maybe, maybe the next movie. I, I hope so. I hope we get yeah. more of him in the next one. Because, I was, that, like I said, that's not just nitpick. That was something I was really kind of disappointed in. Uh, you got any other nitpicks before I get on to something? Uh, no, I, I'm just going to say I was shocked. This was a three-hour movie that I wasn't bored in. Okay, let me talk about that. I wasn't bored. I will say this. This is one of my nitpicks. I thought the movie was going to end about three times. Well, that, okay, that, <laughs> did, that did happen. I agree with you. <laughs> so, like, uh, uh, the first time I thought it was going to end was when we get to the end of the scene where they're arrested Falcone and Jeffrey Wright's bring him out and he's like, hey, there's obviously more than a few of us that we don't work for or whatever it was. I was like, all right, they're wrapping it up here. And then it occurred to me, we haven't heard from the Riddler in about an hour. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, but we still got to go. And so we get that. And then, you know, you get, they arrest the Riddler after uh, he kills Falcone. And you see that scene where they're, con where Batman and Riddler are confronting each other in, in Arkham. I was like, okay, well, this is where they're going to end it. Yeah. Well, no, that's not where they end it. They, they go to Arkham. They, they have the whole flooding scene, which was really, which was a really done, well done action piece to, to end the, the uh, to get close to the end of the movie on. Then we get that, you know, that, that mid credits looking scene. I was like, okay, well, this is where they're going to end it. No, we're going to go have Catwoman and Batman. That's when they finally end it. Uh, so, that, like I said, that was one of that was probably one of the only issue that I had. Like I said, it wasn't necessarily that I got bored, but I kept thinking this movie was about to end about four times. And that was twenty minutes at least. Yes, at least <laughs> twenty minutes, if not longer. Uh, I will say this: one thing I didn't touch on. What did you think about? Batman and Catwoman because normally the method in which they fall in love is because Selena Kyle and Bruce Wayne fall in love and they eventually reveal themselves to each other. They don't ever know who each other. Well, he knows that she's yeah. Selena Kyle, but uh, she has no idea who he is and she wants to run away with him. <laughs> what did you think I about know, that? That was, that? that was a little surprising. It was a little surprising, but I thought it worked. Yeah, it did work. It did work. Because, I mean, like I said, I mean, she was just all, she was all about him. And like I said, she had no idea. I mean, she even talks about how she didn't really like Bruce Wayne. So I was like, eh, maybe you don't like him as much as you think you do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I will say this about their relationship. One, one nitpick I had, I wasn't a real big fan of peeping Tom uh, Batman. Yeah, that was weird. I was like, okay, Bruce, you can you can stop looking at her undressing in her apartment <laughs> anytime you want to. Uh, but so I thought that was kind of a weird Way to go. Maybe that goes back into this whole thing that he's still kind of a kid 
in a grown-up's body, you know, ooh, I'm getting to see a, a girl undress. Right, right. I like to, I don't, I don't know, maybe that's kind of what they were thinking, but I did have a little bit of an issue with that. Uh, and we talked about this earlier. He does come across as a little bit too indestructible, in my opinion. Uh, but like I said, we talked about that scene where he jumps off and he gets just absolutely hammered in that bridge. And he gets up and walks away. I mean, he, you can tell he's not just 100%, but if that were to happen to most people, they're dead <laughs> at that yeah, right, point. Right. Uh, so like I said, that, that's probably one nitpick I had is he did come across a little uh, invincible. I mean, at one point he takes a bomb to the face. Uh, in, in that funeral, in that funeral, so I was like, eh, maybe. We've, I mean, he, he should have had a little distance between him and that bomb, maybe, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I had a little bit of a problem with that. Uh, we talked about some of my other ones. Uh, oh, one, the other one that I had. The only issue I did not like about the Riddler. So they have unmasked the Riddler. They know who he is, and when they're having that scene in Arkham and. Uh, Riddler and Batman reveals to the Riddler that he didn't watch that video and they, and he gets the password so that he can unlock it. And you get that video. I half expected the way that he comes on. Hey guys, it's the Riddler. I expected him to say, click that smash, but uh, subscribe button. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. this, that part of it didn't really work. But other than that, that like I said, that's the only issue I had with the Riddler in this film. Other than that, I thought, I thought it was great. Yeah, I think Matt Reeves was trying to tell us we need to watch these crazy people better. Yeah, I think so. You yeah. know, Make them a little more serious. Speaking of, that, the interview that I listened to on the Big Picture uh, podcast, you know, he was talking about just, it took so long to make this movie because they actually started it before the pandemic hit. And, you know, the world was kind of in a different place when, when this happened. And, you know, the, the conspiracy stuff wasn't nearly as strong as it is now. So, yeah. you know, he was a little worried about, you know, the people that be thinking he was trying to make too much of a message and all that type of stuff. So that, it was an interesting way that, uh, how this film, he didn't intend it to maybe reflect reality as much as it did, but it kind of did. <laughs> so, but even then, he didn't really hammer it as much as a lot of people would have. So that's uh, true. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we get on to some awards? Uh, I think I think I'm good. Let's get to some awards. All right. So we have six awards we give on this show. When we do it for a TV show, we do it at the end of a season. But since it's just a movie, we're going to give our six awards based on the six characters of Friends. Let's start with the Rachel. Who is your Rachel? Who is the person who shined the most? That was the biggest star of the film. Robert Pattinson, man. Yeah, it is. It, it doesn't work without him. Yeah, and he it, killed it. I will say, I kind of gave a little bit of consideration for Zoe Kravitz. Yeah, 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 I agree. But yeah, you're right. It it, it has to go to Robert Pattinson. It is his movie, uh, and that is one thing I like about this film. As great as Paul Dano is as the Riddler. Batman, this is a movie where Batman is the most interesting part. So many Batman films, the Christopher Nolan films, the Tim Burton films, the Joel Schumacher films, Batman is not the most interesting part. It's the villain who's the most interesting part. For good or worse, the villain is more interesting. In this, Batman is the most interesting. Yes, Riddler has his own interest, don't get me wrong, but getting to see Batman in this new light, getting to see him... It portrayed in this way that he's being portrayed in this film makes him the most interesting thing. And like I said, that was really just a refreshing thing to see that Matt Reeves did. Yeah. And I'm going to give Pattinson, Pattinson a lot of credit because you wouldn't have thought coming out of twilight that you would have enjoyed him as the Batman. No, I, I mean, like I said, the, the, when I first heard he was being announced, cause I, I had not seen anything of his, 
Yeah. Uh, the only thing I heard of was was uh, Twilight. He'd done a lot of smaller independent stuff, which you have seen, I know. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, he he has been grinding in the independents, working with good directors. I would recommend The Lighthouse with him and William Defoe. It's kind mm-hmm. of a horror movie, kind of a horror noir. Mm-hmm. Uh, good Time. It's with I think it's on Netflix. It's uh, with the directors, the Safety Brothers, who did uh, who did um, uh, what was the movie with um, the one that came out with Adam Sandler? I don't know what you're talking Jim, about. I can't remember the name of the it. The Jim movie. So he has been working in independent and working on his craft, and it's paid off. You know, you can you can respect him now. Right, you can. Like I said, I, I was skeptical because, but then when I saw him in Tenet, which we will talk about in our next show. Oh yeah, um, I forgot about that too. That's another one. Uncut Gems was the okay. Movie. Yeah, so I would like I said I I was more much more confident in his ability to pull this role off when I saw him in Tenet. So I, I wasn't quite as worried about it coming into it as I thought I was going to be. But yeah, it, this is his film. He does a wonderful job. I mean, he doesn't speak a whole lot. He, he doesn't. I mean, but. Just the way he pulls off the character, the way he pulls off Batman in general, it it really does work, and he does a spectacular job with it. All right, the Joey, the person you just, you know, just one of your favorite characters outside of the Rachel. I had to go with Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman. Yeah, I did too. She's, she was phenomenal. I mean, she was absolutely was. phenomenal, and I was really taken aback by just how good she was. I mean, she, as what I heard somebody say, you know, the camera loves her. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, you people talk about how much Heath Ledger is the character of the Joker. Like, Michelle Pfeiffer as a Catwoman is big shoes to fill, too. Yeah, it is. So anyone taking on that role is immediately going to be compared to her. And she killed it. You know, so, people are comparing you know, her to Halle Berry? No. <laughs> I forgot about Halle Berry. I've never seen Halle Berry. It's terrible. So don't worry. Uh, don't, don't go see it. It's awful. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, she's she's absolutely phenomenal in this. Like I said, I was only vaguely familiar with her, so I didn't really know what to expect from her coming into this film, and she was absolutely phenomenal. And I was really impressed by her. And like I said, I want to see more stuff with her in it. All right, the Chandler, the person, there's not a ton of laughs, but the person who makes you laugh the most, that's our Chandler. Who is your Chandler for this? I went with Colin Farrell's The Penguin. Nah, I did too. I went with the Colin Farrell's. Like I said, there's not a ton of laughs, but when they do come up in this film, they typically came from him. All right, uh, the Phoebe. The Phoebe is the off-the-wall, kind of weird character, one maybe you don't understand. Uh, who's your Phoebe? I went with John Tatura, who we haven't talked about, as Carmen Falcone. Okay, that's interesting. But why'd you go with him? Uh, just because you're used to seeing him in comedy. Yeah, you and are. to see him in such a serious role and just a intimidating role. Yeah, he was. I mean, and it's you know, it's an interesting role for him because I've been told that you know, mobsters. When you actually, if, if you're not in their crosshairs, if you're not if you haven't done something to wrong them or if you have, if you're not a threat to them, they can be really charming. And he comes across as really charming as this, you know, as a guy that you might want to kind of just, you know, have a beer with or something. But if you cross him, then that's when he becomes this intimidating, really scary guy that you don't want to be across. Uh, maybe it's a little too on the nose. I went with Paul Dano as the Riddler because he's kind of off the wall. Yes, he is. <laughs> so, so that's the reason I went with him. Uh, but yeah, I can definitely see why you might go with uh, Turturro as uh, your Phoebe. So uh, who was your Monica? I went with Jeffrey Wright as Lieutenant Gordon. 
Okay. That, yeah, I actually went with him as well. So we were kind of thinking the same line. Why, but why did you go with him? I'm just curious. He was just so solid and and uh, just, you know, keeps keeps the, the plot going. He brings so much to the role. Yeah, the Monica, I didn't explain this one. I should have. The Monica is the role that, you know, is it's, the, the film, the show, it's not quite the same. They have a pivotal role to carry, even if they're not the star, even if they're not the person who shines the most. The movie just, or the film just doesn't work if they're not there. And I went with him just because he is that link that Batman needs to the police to be able to get the crime scenes, to get into, to investigate the way that he wants to. Plus, Jeffrey Wright, or I'm sorry, Jim Gordon, you know, he doesn't know who he can trust in the police, but he knows he can trust Batman. Uh, so they need each other. There, there is a, a mutually beneficial relationship that benefit that the, the two benefit from. So that's the reason I ended up going with him as, as well. Uh, who was your Ross, the person you uh, liked the least? I went with Paul Dano as the Riddler. He was the villain, but he, uh, you know, he, as, as we've brought to a few of the Rosses of late, he was just so good as the bad guy. Yeah, I went with John Turturro here. This is where I went with Carmine Falcon, just because he was easy to hate. I mean, when you know he's sitting there getting ready to kill his own flesh and blood, he killed the Annika girl, uh, I guess, uh, Catwoman's roommate, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so that's the reason I went with him, because, I, he, you know, both of those are, are easy characters, take, but it's like you said, the reason we don't like them is because they are pulling off their roles the way they need to pull them off. It's not because they're doing a bad job. It's because they've done exactly what they want us to, what they're supposed to do. So that's the reason you end up hating them. So uh, good job to them. All right. We also have a rating system. So we're going to rate this at the top of the line. The best of the best. Oh, excuse me. Uh, the best of the best is a Game of Thrones. Uh, right below Game of Thrones is Lost. Middle of the road for us is Friends. Uh, right below Friends is a... Full House, and the worst of the worst, only if you're desperate, is Baywatch. Where does the Batman fall for you in our rating system? Game of Thrones. Yeah, it is. And the reason why I, I was thinking possibly going just lost, but the fact that Matt Reeves was able to bring something to this film and to this role that I hadn't seen, that's what put it over the top for me. That's the reason why I was able to go to Game of Thrones. What specifically about it made it a Game of Thrones for you? Same thing. I want to see these sequels. Yes. The, the last couple of Batman movies, I like Ben Affleck, so I would have definitely watched them. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't, you know, wanting them. But I want this movie. I want it today. Yeah. I, I want to see what else Matt Reeves can do with this character. I want to see, you know, we didn't even talk about Gotham. I mean, just the how he, he portrayed Gotham and, you know, just, again the word I would use is raw. I mean, just this really raw, you know, the use of colors, the way that he had these oranges and that really, that color really stuck out to me, you know, just the world he built, the characters that he made and his own, putting his own personal spin on them. It just worked really well. And like, it's like you said, it's a loss for that reason. So, uh, I really enjoyed it. I'll, I'll, I look forward to what he can do next. Uh, it's not my favorite Batman film, but it, it be, it's in the conversation, to say the least. So uh, and that's saying a lot when you've had as many as we have had. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, all right. Uh, this is also, before we leave, we also like to try to do on our early week podcast, we try to do recommendations for our listeners. Do you have any recommendations this week? I'll do two quick ones. Uh, first one is Inventing Anna on uh, Netflix. I finished it up. Julia Garner, fantastic. 
really interesting story. We'll warn you the the episodes are really long. Are they're they? like uh, they're an hour to hour and twenty. Oh wow, that's interesting. But like uh, Julia Garner, you may know her from Ozark, The Americans, Dirty John. She's I feel like we're watching Young Meryl Streep in action here. Oh wow, she she's she's incredible. Uh, the second one is Counterpart. It was a show on Stars. It's now on Amazon. I'm breaking it up because Tenet reminded me of this movie. What's well, it called like again? Actually, Counterpart. Counterpart. It starts stars J.K. Simmons. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Simmons. And uh, it, he is like a CIA agent, and come to find out, there are two different realms. Interesting. And you can go back and forth bef- between them. Okay. And they have to use each other to solve a mystery. Counterpart. Uh, it was on Stars. Had two seasons on there, but it's now on Amazon. Okay, cool. I'll check that out then. All right, I've got a few. Uh, so I'm moving in our last our midweek show. Uh, the things I was looking forward to, I said, were Our Flag Means Death and Picard Season Two. I'm moving them from the recommend from the things I was looking forward to to recommendations. Our Flag Means Death. It's just a fun show. I mean, it's a pirate show. Uh, Taika Waititi's in it. We don't really see him until the very end of the third episode. They're doing. Uh, they did three episodes this week. They'll do three episodes next week. Then they'll do two the final two weeks. So it's ten episodes long. Uh, they're all about half an hour. It's really good. It's just it's just a fun light show. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, Picard season two. I said in our and when I was looking forward to it last week, I said that it's the least Star Trek thing that they've done in a while. The first episode is very Star Trek, but it looks like they're going to do a time travel thing and they're going to go back to like our time, so it will be less Star Trek. Uh, but the, I enjoyed the first the first episode, so I enjoyed those a lot. Uh, a third thing I'm going to recommend, Super Pumped, the Showtime show about Travis Kalanick, I think is his name. Yeah, Kalanick. He was the founder of Uber. He's a slimeball. Uh, I'm not familiar with the the story of this guy, uh, but apparently he was a horrible person, <laughs> apparently. But uh, he's played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt in this in this show. It's really interesting because, yes, he's a slimeball, and they kind of make that apparent at the very beginning. But you also see why people are drawn to him, and you see why people are kind of gravitating towards him. It's also got the... The coach from Kyle Chandler. Yeah, Kyle Chandler. He's he's he plays like the big uh, investor in this that kind of gets Uber started and makes it what it in, uh, ends up being. He's in this and he's he's just fantastic in that role. Uh, so if you haven't seen Super Pumped on Showtime, uh, episode one was last week. Episode two is out now. Uh, I would recommend it. The last thing I want to recommend, apparently. I am one of like four people who have not seen Succession. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I started it this week. It's really good. Uh, it's uh, I'm on season two. I just finished season two, episode one. Uh, wow. Oh, yeah, really good. Uh, it was a little slow at first. I'll say that it's it's kind of hard to get into at first, but once they kind of get into it, they they really get into it. Yeah, uh, I would say when Brian when when it takes a couple episodes when when. When you, when Brian Cox takes over is kind of when it really gets going in the first season. Yeah, that that's what I noticed. Well, when they really get into the family stuff, that's when yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it becomes interesting. Well, because at first they spend a lot of time on the corporate machinations and all that type of stuff. Uh, but you know, I, I it was a show that I really didn't know anything about until this year when they did, and I, it actually started making its way into my Twitter timeline. And I was like, oh, well, I'll check this out. And then when I went to go look at it, it was, it was in season three. I was like, oh, well, I'm kind of behind. Uh, but you and I are going to discuss this uh, at yeah. some point here in the near future. We'll do a, we'll basically do a, a three season succession 
episode whenever I get done with it. I'm hoping to be done with it in the next couple of weeks. So, and, I, and I'm so excited to talk about the bromance between Tom and Greg. <laughs> yes, that is one thing that became very obvious very, very quickly. So I'll, I'll be interested to talk about that as well. But uh, yeah, like I said, if you're one of the other four people that haven't seen it, apparently, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely check it out with us. So, uh, Anything you else want to add before we head off and get ready to do our second podcast for the week? Just appreciate everybody joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. That's right. I will echo those same sentiments. And until next time, as always, may all of your entertainment dreams come true.